Welcome to Machine Learning. Uh, I want to talk about the Fed, the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve is a private bank that arbitrates the fierce competition for political control of the money supply between financial forces of the market and the spending of, gover of government. So the way it regulates money supply is it uses government bonds, and they treat the government bond as an asset. So if you have... Um, if they borrow money, if the government borrows money and wants to increase the money supply, then it uses uh, bonds as a collateral, and then they are able to uh, loan out money. Banks are able to then acquire uh, this, this collateral and loan out money against that collateral, um, increasing the money supply. So that's kind of how that works. So... Uh, the Treasury issues that debt to the Fed, and then the Fed uses that to expect those bonds as collateral or assets, financial assets, to uh, to increase the money supply. So as money supply increases, that has a inflationary effect, and the economy heats up. And if the the government buys back those bonds or withdraws those, that collateral, then it has the effect of soaking up the liquidity and making credit tight and uh, interest rates high. The capitalists designed the central bank because they wanted to lend money. The expansion and contraction of the money supply is managed by the Fed, giving the central bank power of money supply to increase or decrease employment. So that's why oftentimes when you listen to the Fed that they'll be talking about the money supply and then that same uh, sentence, they're talking about the rate of unemployment or unemployment. So if they're saying, well, you know, unemployment's at an all-time low and the money supply is rich or large, then we have growth in the economy. So that's the justification for adjusting the money supply, increasing or decreasing it, is their end goal is to increase or decrease employment. The shifts in the swing in the business cycle. The logic of the capitalist is to maximize profits, and this means always the preserve, preserving the value of accumulated wealth. Well, in you know, it's interesting because they're talking about accumulated wealth. Okay, what kind of wealth? Bonds stocks, um, derivatives, fixed assets, futures, commodities, gold, land. You know, what, what is the uh, form of wealth that you're accumulating? Because if it's in, let's say, either in stocks or bonds, if in the economy is in a fast growth, then bonds cannot grow as fast as uh, stocks, and so your asset accumulation would be in stocks. But if you're in deflation, the value of your bonds because of the interest rates that are being paid um, is going to uh, be moving in opposite of the bond price. So if interest rates are climbing, then the bond price is decreasing because um, investors are choosing the higher interest rate bonds over the lower interest rate bonds. And so uh, the higher yields will have a, has the means that there's less of an appetite for the buying of bonds. So you can think of bonds as kind of an asset or a financial 
commodity and so you want to buy if there's demand for that commodity then the price will go up if there's not demand then the price goes down so that's how you should think about uh, bonds and the same with stocks is stocks are ownership or certificate in ownership of into a company and so while companies are growing uh, unemployment is low there's uh, an appetite for that commodity in hopes of future accumulation of wealth so the capitalist is then uh, trying to maximize those profits and and uh, and to, and the key to that is the money supply the capitalists distrust the government because they believe government will seek a monopoly over the money however both parties share the same goal economic prosperity okay so there's two branches of real power there's the government power and then there's the market power and um, the market receives money flow through the control of the fed the first through the federal reserve bank of new york which links directly to the inner circle of bankers that control the money injected into wall street and the second through the treasury uh, secretary the main ambassador to government so you notice that during the uh, during the meltdowns in 2008-2009 that uh, the the Treasury Secretary was in front of the Congress making reports to what the sta status of the banks were. And so the Fed then began to uh, um, provide advice on the bailout procedures and what would have to occur in order to uh, to bring these banks back up into a healthy state but at the same time the fed is a private bank and so it it maintains uh, uh autonomy and independence free from the government even though it's working for the government the treasury produces high-powered money and is invested into u.s treasuries through the net effect of expanding the money supply so that's what i was just saying about how the treasury um, uh, creates a net effect on the money supply is by investing into u.s securities the fed is not immune from the market force the fed must steer the economy through the peaks and valleys of the business cycle so during high inflation the fed's going to raise interest rates during deflation the fed's going to lower interest rates and try to um, to to stimulate the economy i think it's a losing battle with the fed actually i think that uh, they don't understand business cycles and uh, what's going to happen is that they will raise the interest rates and then the economy will uh, begin to contract sharply will fall into a recession and then into a deflation period and then they will reduce interest rates but because the the work people are not working then the reducing interest rates and increasing money supply does not necessarily uh, stimulate the economy and so we saw that a lot in the bailouts where even in china where they were putting lots of stimulus money into the economy the economy was not taking off it wasn't until trump took office that and started to build confidence in uh, the future of business that uh, businesses started to flourish and that's that's due to his leadership and also uh, several of the policies particularly around taxes that helped uh, businesses have more operating capital and so they were able to innovate and that innovation then created uh, 
uh, profits, and that profit then created better in, uh, unemployment, better employment. Through the Bank of New York, the Fed buys and sells government bonds and uh, notes, settles accounts between banks and regulate the economy. When the Fed buys notes, it's putting downward pressure on interest rate by adding money to the system. So that's how they do it. Uh, they buy the notes. It puts the downward pressure on the interest rates. So now interest rates drop and there's more money in the system. When the Fed is selling liquidity, uh, is selling liquidity is being soaked up. Interest rates rise, and the economy slows down. So it takes those bonds instead of of uh, buying the bonds. It's now selling the bonds, and then as they sell out those bonds, it it uh, it is it then raises the interest rates because the asset is no longer available. And so it uh, soaks up the the liquidity. Okay, Fedwire has ten thousand notes, banks, savings and loan, credit unions, and other institutions that issue or receive deposits or checks. All the major banks in the U.S. with the Fed through the Fed, um, all the major banks deal with the Fed through the Fedwire. On the average, $1 trillion pass through the Fedwire as banks exchange checks and borrow from one another and from the Fed itself to cover overnight shortfalls. The Fed steps in as the lender of last resort and inject high-powered money back into the federal financial system to restore confidence and the perception of stability. Secondly, the Fed convinces inner circle banks to suspend the natural state of competition and desist from the paradoxical behavior of entrenchment. The inner circle banks start to examine consumer credit and push from their reserves back into the market. The Fed oversaw the operation and made sure the financial arteries were opened up, preventing a complete collapse of the government. They seem to have learned how the lender of last resort works in practice. Carnage was high and the loss of over $1 trillion. Investors could not get back money to cover their margins as investment banks called in their loans. The bulk of the carnage resulted from the owners of market insurance, pensions, and investment banks as automatic trade systems activated, dumping massive amounts of stock, producing seller ratios 70 to 1 against buyers. The Fed did not suspend trading and thought to weather the storm. Those are crazy days. See, the Fed did not want to, the market to shut down, fearing it would not be able to get it open again. First Options received a continental loan for $102 million, but on Black Tuesday needed 138 Comptroller from the Continental became rigid about the relaxing firewall limits. The market panicked on the news of the comptroller's rigidity. The Fed moved urgently to approve the loan for first option. The panic fever broke. What does this prove? It demonstrates that the federal safety net extends beyond banking and covers security firms, said Kenneth McLean. The Fed is an independent judge responsible for governing the world's money supply, independent from both the market and government. That's interesting that it can it can so it can move policies contrary to the market and it can move policies contrary to, to government interest. 
is what it's saying. The Fed only's tangible asset with the market is credibility. The Fed establishes credibility with the public through formidable public relations, economic research, quiet legislative lobbying, and exploiting the public demoralization with partisan politics. At the same time, the Fed must persuade government to accept market logic for the economy over the long run. The Fed presides over an inner club of national financers protecting and publicly admonish them to temper quest for profit at the expense of public good. The Fed influences market financial stability, setting the bond market long-term interest rates. Interest rates affect uh, either tightening or loosening credit by cooling down or heating up the economy. That's what we were talking about, the buying the liquidity or buying up the bonds and then uh, decreasing the the amount of bonds that are on the market and therefore increasing the interest rates or moving just the opposite. Um The confidence gain of debt and capital. The the cost of capital will remain high. Communists failed because it allocated capital in unnecessary factories, faulty inventories, and overproduction of goods, misallocating funds and bringing no benefit to the economy. During inflation, the value of money declines. Inflation represents the cost of capital. As prices rise, the value of money declines so to hold money during inflation is to see its value decrease. This is why people are apt to spend during inflation. In the 1970s, over 70, 97% of the GNP was consumed. 2.5% was in reinvested. Much of the spending was financed through increased debt. The cost of capital will remain high through the transition from mass economy to informational economy. When the government borrows money from the private sector and spends it on the government purchases, this is money not available for lending to the business. Money supply and capital are not the same. Economists say that inflation results when the annual growth of the money supply consistently exceeds the rate of growth in the national uh, product, gross national product. So if inflation is at 6.5% and the gross national product is at 2%, then you have... Uh, inflation because uh, your rate of growth is uh, of the money supply is growing faster than your gross national product. When inflation is rising and currency is falling, the sensible thing to do is get out of currency and buy something that will rise with the tide of inflation. Between 1950 and 1980, federal debt rose 300 percent, consumer debt rose 1,300% mortgages increased 1,500% and state and local governments 1,300%. See, and we've seen outrageous increases of housing prices in Idaho. I've seen just in the last few years the housing price double, and it is just a bizarre effect largely due to supply chain disruption and uh, people not working, where if they're not working, then that's going to make the demand for supplies increase and so it cost, things are going to cost more. The debt hasn't been increasing and growing faster than the nominal rate of the economic growth. 
As the amount of money required to service debt increases, less money is available for investing, and as growth slows, the more difficult it is for the economy to meet all its debts. As greater demands are placed on existing capital to pay debt, interest rates go up. And that's what we're seeing right now, that there's this demand for um, capital and interest rates will be climbing. So the the era of cheap money is going to be over. I tried to apply for a house loan and I was amazed that uh, they were willing to, to offer me as much money as they did and it was far more than 28% of my income. I'm not sure why that they were going to do that. Corporations are purchasing growth and earnings by going more deeply into debt. Real interest rates can be calculated as the difference between inflation and a high-quality long-term bonds yield. In 1982, real interest rates were 7 to 8%. Can you imagine that, having real interest rates of 7 to 8%? Uh, that that explains why when I was a kid in the 80s and I was moving uh, sprinkler pipe and making about $300 a, uh, a month and then putting all that money in the bank that after uh, a couple of years I was having, I forget uh, how many years had elapsed, but I had this bond that turned over. I think there were three years, the certificates were every three years, and I had that turned over and I had made almost, I think it was close to half of what I originally invested. And I always thought that that was the current <clears throat> way for making money uh, in the bank. But I I, uh, I hadn't really done the math like I do now and understood what was really going on because uh, that was a phenomenal event in the 80s. The Fed uh, placed reserves in the economy fearing economic collapse. As debt increased faster than the rate of the economy, it increased the demand for cash and raised interest rates. The rapid in increase in money supply created inflation and the new upward spiral of debt as individuals and the business, businesses tried to borrow. The nation needed for new debt increased in order to keep afloat their economic contraction. So why is the Fed heavier in assets than government debt? The Fed added more in financial assets than the government debt. $1.2 trillion is being added to the money supply. The only saving factor is companies and individuals are not borrowing money and increasing the money multiplier. Inflation increases the risk of higher interest rates in the future. Rising interest rates make U.S. assets more attractive and cause hot money flight from emerging markets. That would be interesting to see right now if that's true right now, if there's hot flight out of emerging markets. Uh, the Fed bought $40 billion per month in mortgage-backed securities. All right, so I have my site up working right now, listensoftware.com. If you get a chance to go over there, and you can ask it uh, questions on... Uh, inflation. It does a pretty good job. It, it answered uh, some really good responses back on inflation. And uh, it's worth the analysis. Let me just tell you some things that it, it uh, mentioned about the inflation. Okay, the uh, FOC, 
MC could prefer to use a lever or a band approach. And the FOC choice might depend, this is what GBD3 said, and the FOMC choice might depend on whether the members think the economy is at or near full employment. So again, there's that correlation that the Fed does with the money supply. As it increases money supply, then it decreases interest rates and increases employment. So then, of course, the FOMC then will be focused on the employment rate. If they think that the output is growing rapidly enough to create inflationary pressures, they will probably prefer a band approach. A band approach would allow the Fed to continue to raise its target interest rates even if inflation remained below its target. A band approach would be less disruptive than a cap approach. It would avoid the need to adjust the Fed's target interest rates up or down if inflation moves outside the Fed target range. The Fed might also adopt a band approach if it thinks it would be difficult to get the public to understand its cap approach. To see why, imagine that the Fed wanted to use a cap approach to keep inflation in its target range. To do so, the Fed would have to choose a level for the cap that would correspond to the inflation target. Since the Fed has not decided what the target is, it cannot pick a cap level. The Fed's policy response to inflation, if the Fed begins to use inflation targets, it will also have to update its policy statements. The statement will probably say that the Fed will not raise its target interest rates, uh, centra partibus, until the economy reaches a level of output consistent with the target inflation rate. So in other words, they're saying is that the gross national product will uh, accelerate up until it meets the inflation rate, because the Fed might have to raise inflation, might raise rates more quickly than it otherwise would. The new policy statement will probably also say the Fed will have to slow the economy more quickly when the economy overheats. So, what the economy, what the Fed's saying is the economy is overheated uh, due to uh, COVID pressures on supply chain. And so now they're going to raise those rates in an attempt to cool the economy down or cause contraction in the money supply. The language will help to reassure the public that it will not have to endure higher interest rates for a long period of time. Yeah, because long periods of time of high interest rates are painful. Uh, credit becomes very difficult. Money, money uh, is hard to acquire. Growth in economy, growth in businesses uh, contract that are are requiring uh, loans to pay for their money. If the Fed does not adopt an inflationary target, it will probably keep its existing policy statement. The statement says that the Fed will try to keep the economy at a long-running sustained employment and inflationary objectives.